What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the real stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. And before we jump into today's conversation with Bobby Hobart, there's a couple things that we need to go over first. Number one, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider leaving a rating and a review. The more positive ratings and reviews we get, the more it helps new people find the show. And it really helps to grow the community that we're developing here. And if you're one of those people that have recently found the podcast, welcome. I'm very excited to have you here. Make sure you subscribe and stay tuned for future episodes. And to everybody listening, make sure you screenshot this, post it to your Instagram story, tag at my social life podcast and at Bob Bay, and I'll feature you on the account and send you a message as well. Now, without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Bobby Hobart. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the real stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly, and today we're joined by Bobby Hobart, a.k.a. Bob Bay, the Bearded Man. He's the host of the Purpose in the Youth podcast, host of It's the Bearded Man podcast, and he's a full-time content creator for Liquid IV. And if you're wondering, he was indeed born with a beard. You can ask his mother, Bobby. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> wow, Jacob, hell of an intro, bro. You got me cheesing over here. I wish you could see me on, on like a, the webcam or something, but man, hell of an intro, bro. It's an absolute honor to be on the show today, man. Thank you very much, man. Where I want to start this podcast today, I want to go all the way back to the beginning. Talk to me about Chicopee, Massachusetts, because every time I feel like you have the opportunity to plug it, you do, and there's some definitely strong ties and you rep your hometown hard. Can you just tell me about that town? Yeah, man, that, I mean, it's, it's crazy because I'm 26 years young now and I feel like every year that I get older, I've started to realize like how much more I grow to love the place that, that raised me. Right. And I think, uh, your hometown, when you're growing up, when you're in your, your teenage years or, uh, you're starting to kind of get towards like the late teens, it's, it's the place you've always known. And I was somebody that grew up in the same city his entire life in Chicopee, Massachusetts, which is like 55,000 people. Um, and so it provided me an incredible place to become who I am today. I was uh, raised by two incredible parents. Uh, my mother has been in banking for 30 plus years. My father's been a correctional officer uh, for 30 plus years. My, I have a younger sister, two years younger than me. And so I grew up in a very, very uh, loving and supportive household. You know, I was able to try the things that I wanted to try. My parents never really disciplined us, you know, put us in timeout. We uh, we were just your average kids growing up in Massachusetts, but um, ultimately, the I think one thing that I really realized early on was going to a high school that was full, actually not just high school, but elementary, middle school, and high school, but I went to school with seven to ten different nationalities, and when you're raised in that environment, you think that's the norm, and it wasn't until I got older and went to college that I realized like how fortunate it was that I went to a high school that was that diverse, because I just being a people's person just knew how to communicate with anybody. It didn't matter your, your skin color, it didn't matter your eye color, it didn't matter your hair color. And it wasn't until I got older when I realized like, wow, that's actually, that was a skill that I learned because I was around so many different types of people. Um, and so I, yeah, I just, I credit my city so much and, you know, I don't live there anymore. And I, I, I hate to say it, my, if my mother ever hears this, she's not going to love this, but I, I don't ever see myself living there ever again, as it was the place that raised me. And there's, there's just, there's so much more opportunity in this world than the major cities now living in Los Angeles. So Chicopee Mass forever will be the place that I will rep. I will, at some point in my career, try to form some type of give back to the city, whether it's uh, hosting events or going back to my high school. I get excited to just to go back and see like the streets and the schools that I was raised by because 
I would not be who I am today. And Chickabee for sure deserves all the credit for it. And you mentioned when you were growing up, you had a good family unit. And if anyone knows you, they know you have an incredible work ethic. And that work ethic with you started pretty young. Like you started working when you were 12, right? Like what were you doing and why did you want to work so young? My man, Jacob, did the research. I got to give him a round of applause for that right there. Uh, yeah, so I'll never forget it. I was in seventh grade. It was a rainy day in Massachusetts. It was a Saturday. I was a big video game player growing up, but there was definitely still some downtime. And so I just remember it was a Saturday morning and I looked at my mom and we were sitting in our living room. And I was just like, I want to, I'm bored. I want to make some money. And she said, you know, do you want me to call your uncle John? My uncle John owned a garden center called Class Grass Garden Center in Granby, Mass. He'd been in business at that moment in time, probably for 15 to 20 plus years. Well, man, if I'm thinking, if I'm thinking back to when I was 12, it would have probably been like 10 or 15 years in, but anywho. Um, and so she called him and said, you know, Bobby's looking to make some money. And so I went and I started working at literally 12 years young. Um, legally, I don't even know if that was allowed, but it was because it was a family relative and I was getting paid under the table that it really didn't matter. Nobody was going to, you know, flag it, flag it down. And so that is where I learned work ethic. Um, you know, you're outside all day. I'm picking up bags of mulch. I'm moving plants around. Like this isn't me just like in, in like a flower field, just like picking at flowers. I mean, this was labor. Like I was moving things. I was picking things up. I was shoveling barrels. Uh, I was out in the sun. It was hot. Uh, so there was, there was so much discipline that I was learning in work ethic because I was actually, actually having to work hard for my money, like labor intensive, sweating, and so that job was the first job I ever had. And I worked, I mean, I, I came in and out of that job all the way up through college. Even when I graduated college in 2016, it was the first job I went into right when I got out of graduation because I need to make some money for, you know, college loans were coming in and I didn't have a job. And so, you know, just having that job at 12, I didn't realize how fortunate that was because it was going to set me up to learn later in my life, like, Oh, if I, you know, when I'm that young, I want to save up 60 bucks to go buy an Xbox game. And then you learn the value of money. And so I still look at that $60 the same way then than as I do now. And uh, yeah, it, I mean, just uh, it's crazy just thinking about it because I was I was young and most of my friends were probably out with their friends and, uh, you know, playing in the parks or, you know, playing rec leagues for sports and I early on was just, I found the love for money and it wasn't, it wasn't really like, you know, obviously you want to buy things and feel and look good and feel good. But I just like the power of knowing, like, if I want something, I can save up and buy for myself instead of trying to get my parents to give me the money for it. Mm -hmm. I miss the days when video games were only 60 bucks to buy. I'm going to say that for sure. <laughs> but I also want to ask you about high school as well. So I know you were the manager of the high school basketball team. You were also the morning announcement guy, which I thought is super cool now to see <laughs> having a podcast now. But I'm curious as to what like your mindset was graduating high school. Like what were your goals at that point in time when you were 17, 18? At that time, dude, I, I still had no idea what I wanted to do. And so me going to college, it was it was really a no brainer. I, the kids, the, the the group that I had surrounded myself with in high school, everybody was going to college. I, I had other friends that were not, they were going right into the working force. Some were going into the military. Uh, some had different paths that they were going down, but my close knit of friends were all going to college. And, and it wasn't because of them that I felt I needed to. It was more of, I looked at it as, I don't know what I want to do with my life right now. And the best thing I can do is go to college. Give me four more years to really figure that out. 
I knew like, obviously growing up, you hear college and you hear like, you get to live away from home and you get to party and you get to meet all these cool people and you get to sleep in. The idea of it sounded so good. Um, And so me going into college was this big question mark of, I have no idea what I want to do. I had an interest in business because of working with my uncle and just loving money. Um, I I knew that it was going to be business related and that even, even if I went down a business route, I could translate that to anything, right? Like if you're running a podcast, there's business to it. If you're selling a liquid additive, like liquid IV, there's a business side to it. If you're working for Uber, there's a business side. I knew that there was a business side of almost everything in this world. So to me, it was like, I'm just going to go to school. I'm going to have some fun. And I guarantee that by the time I graduate, I'll have it all figured out. And that was my mindset going into college. And little did I know that by the time I was graduating, I still did not have anything figured out. So it was like a catch-22 thinking, yeah, I'll have it figured out by senior year. And I didn't at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I don't, cause like during college, you thought you had it figured out. You thought you wanted to climb the corporate ladder, but it was after an internship in your junior year, I believe, where you kind of had that moment where you're like, the corporate life isn't the life for me. So like, what was it about that internship that made you realize you wanted to work for yourself? A, A, A plus Jacob. If anybody here just uh, like give this man a round of applause because I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, this is going to be one of the best podcasts I've ever been on for the amount of research this guy did. You are completely right. I, I really did think that the corporate world was going to be my life. There was something about driving a nice car, having a nice watch, dressing up in a suit. I think the idea of wanting to major in business kind of married that idea of like, well, if I want to be if I want to be a business guy, I need to have the suit. I need to have the Rolex. I need to have the car. I need to climb the ladder. And so that seemed like the best option for me going into school. I just didn't know what industry it was going to be. I had no idea, like, was I going to be a marketing guy? Was I going to be a finance guy? Was I going to be an operations guy? I didn't know the specifics, but to me, it just seemed like wherever I go, I just need to have a suit. I need to have a cool car and all that extra shit that actually doesn't matter. Um, and it wasn't until, like you said, it wasn't until my junior year during an internship that at a small scale at a kind of a startup, I was seeing what it would be like if I was working for a major corporation. And I think part of the problem of me not enjoying that internship was I didn't have the right position. Like I didn't enjoy it. And also like, I wasn't passionate about the product that we were serviced. It was a B2B company, business to business. And so we were selling like this, this like marketing platform that I just wasn't passionate about. So it was a mix of, I don't like this product. I was seeing, even just working 20 hours a week, I was seeing like the motions of people, you know, they would show up and everybody like 11 o'clock would go make their coffee and then they would sit back down and then everybody would go up for lunch. And it was something about it in that moment where I was like, if I'm seeing this at a small scale at a startup, like I'm not going to enjoy what it's going to be like at a major corporation. It's going to take forever to get things done. And so that was a turning point my junior year where I was like, okay, I think this corporate idea, I thought this corporate idea was going to be like the best case scenario. And I'm already getting a feeling that it's not. And so I, the, the company was about to offer me a full-time internship going into the summer, going into my senior year, right? So I would work 40 hours a week. And I just declined it. I actually, I ended the the internship earlier than it, it was supposed to end. I just wasn't enjoying it. I was starting to kind of bump shoulders with my manager. And I was like, this, I just, I have to get out of it now. I just, I, I couldn't see myself going an extra two months or however long I was contracted to do it. And so I left the internship once again with a big question mark of what do I want to do? And right around the same time is when I started driving Uber, which kept my mind off everything because being the money person that I was, 
I was like, well, I'm not making money at the, the internship anymore, but now I can make money Ubering. Let's just keep driving and see where this takes us. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward to senior year, right before your finals, you got a phone call from your buddy, Dylan Reese, letting you know he just got an eight day tour. If I'm not mistaken, it was the vanilla tour and he wanted you to manage it, right? Close. It was the eight nights only tour. So you were, you were, you were right on the money. You were right on the money, but Damn. it was, it was so now you're good, bro. You're, you're totally, you're, you're doing great. Uh, it, so he, that's a great, that's, that's a very important moment. Um, he, he calls me at this moment in time where I'm starting to have this idea to start a podcast. It, it's the seed has been planted in my mind, uh, probably around spring semester of senior year. During the winter break, I started getting to Tim Ferriss. I started getting into Lewis Howes. Started really listening to these podcasters, Gary V. And so I started listening to these podcasts for the spring. Having this idea to start a podcast, kind of on the back of my mind for graduation. I was like, man, maybe like when I graduate, I don't know what I'm doing yet. Like I could start this podcast. And it just so happens that the guy, Dylan Reese, who I've been working with for at the time, the last 10 years, I'm building his music career. He calls me up as I'm on my way to the grocery store for probably like the last time in my college career with all my homies in the car. And he's like, yo, I just got booked for my first tour. It's starting in in, um, the beginning of end of June. I know you don't have any jobs lined up after graduation. Like, do you want to come on tour as my tour manager? And so looking at it now, it's like eight day tour. Like, what do you mean? You're not a real tour manager, right? Um, I wasn't a real tour manager, but the, the idea of like, wow, the guy that I saw making music in his, in his bedroom to now like going on a tour and I'm going to be able to go with him. That was like the biggest inspiration I needed because I was, I was seeing him live his dream into reality. I was then going to be part of it. It was giving me something to look forward to upon graduating, even though I didn't have a job, I didn't have anything figured out. And also it was the, it was really the momentum that I needed to go. This idea to start a podcast on young, inspiring, um, go-getter individuals, I now have to do it because I'm seeing my buddy live his passion. And if I can see, if I can see him do it, I know that everybody else out there, there has to be a story. And I had a bunch of creative friends that were doing certain things. And so that was like a moment of, I need to start this podcast. I need to go on tour with this guy. I'm about to graduate in like a week. And that'll give me about six weeks to just kind of like flow until we go on this tour. But that tour, the eight nights only tour, which was with an artist named on Q from, from New York and another artist named Henderson, which was out of Massachusetts. That was everything I needed because I ultimately ended up meeting the first episode of the podcast of purpose and youth on that tour as he was the tour manager of the actual entire tour. That's awesome. And so I want to ask how you got to the idea of purpose and the use. Cause I, cause I knew before you were kind of thinking of things you s- debated, maybe doing a men's health podcast. Like how did you end up coming to purpose in the youth? Like what led to you starting it and going in that direction? It was, it was specifically Lewis house. It was the school greatness podcast that, that really got me to want to go the direction of purpose in the youth. And so in that spring semester of my senior year, I was, I was bouncing ideas off of my roommate, Louise, who, I lived in a 13-person house, all guys. It was unbelievable in college. I, I luckily was in a solo bedroom, so I had some space. But my roommate next door to me named Louise, um, I would bounce this. I had this idea to start a podcast, and I didn't know what. And so one night I was like telling him, like, yo, maybe I'm going to do a men's health. Like, we'll talk about fashion. We'll talk about, like, like physical health and, like, mental health and, like, women and all that, like, cool stuff. And um, I just I, – I, I thought forward about it of, like, Am I going to enjoy on a weekly basis talking about these subjects? Like I'm interested in men's health. I'm interested in women. I'm interested in like fashion. Like 
but I'm not, that's not something I'm passionate about. That's not something I'm going to enjoy researching every week. And so once again, listening to Lewis Howes, I was getting super inspired and it was giving me the motivation to not just take a job to get a job. And I was like, man, there was a couple times he would have these certain guests like Julius Dean, I think his name is, he's a magician, or he had a couple other like young go-getters that were like in their late, late teens, early twenties. And I was getting inspired by those guys specifically because they were, they were my age, right? Like Lewis had Scooter Braun, he had Gary Vee, he had Jay Shetty, he had all these amazing individuals, but it, it wasn't relatable. These guys were 10 plus years older than me. And so when they're talking about their college days, it's just not relatable anymore. We live in a different world. And so I'm sitting there going, where's the podcast focusing on the youth, the young go-getters, the people that are in college, the people that are making things happen in real time right now? Where's that podcast? I need to find it. I need to listen to it. And it was kind of a light bulb moment. It was like, wow. They always say, if you can't find it, create it. I'm looking to start a podcast. I can't find the podcast I'm looking for. I know I have a bunch of incredibly inspiring people around me. Why not just create it? Why not start the podcast you're looking for and try to give it back to the world? And so that was the moment where I was, I, I realized that's what I need to do. I need to start that podcast. And it was during that tour as well that it was like the ultimate pushing force of like, you have the people around you that are doing the shit that you're looking for. You need to start this podcast. And so, so talk to me about that first episode where you interviewed the tour manager of the greater tour. Like, how did it go? How were you feeling? Like, I know you recorded out of your bedroom in the bed rudio. That became a big part of the podcast, like the brand of the podcast. But like for the first one, were you, were you tripping a little bit, having to bring someone into your bedroom to record the podcast? Like, how did that go? Yeah, that's, that's, that's really a good question. Um, so that was recorded in my, that was like the OG bed rudio because that was the bedroom of the house that I grew up in in Chickabee, Mass. Um, and so that technically was the second podcast I had ever recorded. My buddy Dylan had a homie of his fly in from uh, Omaha, Nebraska, probably about a month prior. And so we got into conversation and I was like, yo, would you be interested in potentially like just being like a guest on my podcast, this is not going to get put out. This is just me just testing the podcast space. Would you be down? He's like, absolutely, let's do it. And so I had a you know an hour podcast with him, and that was just like I I knew it wasn't going to go public. I just needed to understand like, is this the right structure? Am I am I going down the path that I want to create? Because I, I wanted to do something with what you're doing with me right now. You're taking it from the very beginning. And you're, you're going to paint the picture all the way up to where I am today. And that's what I want to do with all my guests. And so when I sat down with Jeremy Colgo, who was the first episode, he was the second podcast I had ever created. But I, I, I felt so fortunate because going back to like I was saying way back or like early in the podcast, I, I've always been a people's person. And so I knew that even though this is somebody I had just met five days prior to sitting down with him, I did the research I, I really figured out like who he was. I spent a lot of time with him within those four or five days. Cause when you're on the road, you're with these people all hours of the day, except when you're traveling in between cities. And so I, I got to really know him and sitting down with him. I was nervous, man. I, I, and I'll never forget it. Like we're probably 30 minutes into the podcast and all of a sudden I hear, I hear a bang on the door and it's the artist that he's like managing or tour managing. He's like, yo, Jeremy, uh, you want some dominoes? And he, He's like completely oblivious. He knows that we're recording a podcast, but like he also knows like this is my first episode. Like we're shooting in my bedroom. So he kind of knows like this is like a joke, but at the same time, I was 
I was treating this shit like I was the best in the game. Like I was going to be the best podcast in the world. And so listening back to that first episode, it kind of makes me chuckle. It makes me chuckle because from that moment, that moment moving forward, then I started taking like way more precautions. Like when I was still recording out of my be- like bedroom in my my house in Chickabee, Mass, I put a, like a sign on my door, like do not re- do not disturb recording a podcast. I would text my parents at a time, um, but ultimately, I was really happy with that first podcast because what he had done up to that point in his career was there was so much credibility, and it just gave me so much inspiration for like if I'm already getting this in my in my little world at that time that was the best first guess that I could possibly get. And so to get him as like the momentum starting piece, I was like, I was so locked in once we started rolling because I knew, I knew how to hold the conversation. And I just knew that it was going to become a game of like me learning along the way. But ultimately I just knew that I'm a people's person and I was genuinely interested in learning how and why are you where you are today? And so it just made for really meaningful content on top of doing the research and really like caring to hear what these people had to say. That's interesting. Cause I was curious, like going into this, there's three specific podcasts I wanted to ask you about. The first one being the first one, the second one being episode 33, the one you recorded with your dad. I'm curious because I've wrestled with the idea of (sighs) doing podcasts with my family, but not for my podcast, just to have for my personal records and to kind of, interact with my family in a podcast environment because I feel like it'd be different than just conversations with them on a regular day. So I'm just curious how you went about conducting an interview with your dad. Yeah. Um, it's So that's that's a really, that's a, there's a lot of podcasts you could ask me about. So the fact you're asking me about that one, it's, it's, it shows a lot about you and, and, uh, and I appreciate you asking. So when it comes to podcasting with, with, with my father at that time, right, 33 uh, backstories, he, he grew up as Larry Bird's biggest boss. He's the biggest Boston sports fan in the world. I mean, the world right now shut down on sports. And my father right now is playing back 86 Celtics finals games. Like he's watching like 1999 Bruins. Like he's still, he won't look, he like this, the world might presently not be showing sports, but he's just replaying like his favorite memories. And so growing up, I mean, even as a kid, my father would just let me call him Bird. Like he, I would introduce him to friends growing up. And I'd say, oh, this is my father. He'd say, Hey, my name's Dan, but call me Bird. And like, he never wanted to be Mr. Hobart. He never wanted to be his first name. He just wanted to be called Bird. And um, it was just something that I kind of knew. It was a, it was, it was a, it was, it was going to be a now or never moment. Like, if he was going to be ever a guest on the podcast, it had to be episode thirty-three. There was no question about it. But I also knew that like putting him on the podcast wasn't going to build me clout. It wasn't going to build me any like type of credibility. But it, to me, it was a personal thing. It was like. I want to try something different. I want to try having like an, like an honest question with my father or excuse me, an honest podcast with my father and like really try to understand it because I think, and maybe it's just me, but like, I think sometimes we like, there's still so much that I really don't know about my mother and father. And, and, and that was like a moment where I could sit down and like ask him questions that I've, I've always wanted to ask. And um, I think it's really interesting. We, we grow up and we know our parents from the moment we, are born until where we are now. And of course, like as we're being raised, we ask them certain questions and we learn a little bit more about their story. But I feel like even every time that I'm with my parents now that I, I don't live with them anymore, or even when I'm talking to them once or twice a week, like I pick up on certain things that I never knew about them because, you know, there was 28 years before I was born that there's so much to learn. And so that was really important to me. It's just, it was one of those things where I knew it was a now or never moment. It was going to be an honor to like 
have him as number 33. And it was going to be a conversation that I knew that like, no matter what happened in the world, like that thing, that, that piece of content was going to be there for me on a personal level, even if like people didn't enjoy it. And, um, I don't remember specifically how people, um, what they thought of it, but I do remember like there was a lot of good positivity coming from it and people just being like impressed that like, wow, you, you interviewed a family member. Like you're not just like shooting for people with crazy followers and trying to build like this, this, this brand, like you actually are caring enough that you want to interview a family member. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And like hearing you say that makes me want to actually do the thing I've been theorizing in my head of interviewing my family. So I think that might be the catalyst to actually make me do it. But you also said there in terms of the brand of the podcast, you, you nailed your podcast brand, like right out the gate. Like you had a clean logo, you had a bunch of merch. Like why was that a priority for you in the beginning? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I, I just, a couple things. One, I knew that if I wanted to, if I really wanted to see like if this, this project had legs, I was going to have to treat it like it was, it was a real business, right? Like even though I, I wasn't generating money or I didn't have thousands and thousands of subscribers right off the rip, I knew that I needed to treat this like I was at the top. And I don't know that there's a mix there. There's a mix of, you know, helping my buddy Dylan uh, grow his music career, like seeing, you know, how do you build a brand from the ground up? I knew what it took. He was also the one that helped design the logo. He was actually the one that helped land on the titling of purpose in the youth. Um, you know, going to a business school, I, I was a marketing major. So I, I learned the importance of branding. Um, and you know, another example is like, even before I recorded the first podcast, I committed myself to buying some of the most expensive equipment, because I told myself, if I if I have this idea that I really want to start this podcast, I'm going to buy expensive equipment because it's going to force me to take it seriously because I'm going to I'm going to want to punch myself in the face if I have this thousand dollar equipment sitting in the corner of my bedroom and it's not being used. Because at the time, like, I mean, a thousand bucks is a thousand bucks. Don't get me wrong. But like at the time, I mean, that I didn't have a lot more savings than that. And so I was like, screw it. I'm buying this equipment. I'm committing to it. There's going to be, it's my back's against the wall. I'm going to have to move forward. And so whether it was the equipment, whether it was the logo, whether it was like, like, like doing a formal, like 30 day announcement, like the podcast is announced August 1st of 2016, but the podcast is dropping August 31st and like, you know, promoting it for 30 days strong and, and, and posting like flyers and passing out stickers. And like, I just, I just, I made best of what I had. And I just, I thought that in my mind, if, if I really want people to take me seriously, I'm going to have to show that I'm serious about it. And, um, that was kind of a mindset I had even from that first day of, of uploading Jeremy's, the first episode's podcast. I was in my, my kitchen of my, of my parents' house where I grew up and my parents were at work and my sister was, I don't remember where, but it was like middle of the day. And I just, I upload this podcast and I, I just told myself, you know, if I really want this thing to grow, I got to treat it as if there's a million people listening every single week. And so, no matter if this this first episode gets 10 plays, 20 plays, 50 plays, I better treat it as if there's a million people waiting for next week. And so that was just kind of the the the, the mindset that I had for the entire project for the, you know, the three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that like that thousand dollars for gear was a significant amount of money that time. And you were funding the entire podcast through Uber. And six months after you graduated, you got an email saying that 99% of your graduating class was already in a full-time career, but you were in that 1%. Why did you like, how did you feel receiving that email? And what, what was it within you that made you keep going with the podcast instead of being 
discouraged by that email. Yeah, man. I, you know, it's funny when I got that email, I kind of, I kind of grinned. I was like, wow, I'm actually in the top 1% for something in my life. Like I was never a top 1% in like in class or like sports or like gaming, nothing in my life was I ever top 1%. And to see that I was like, yo, I don't want to call it top percent. Let me just, let me take that back to see myself in a one percentile of just something. I was like, I'm literally that guy. And so it kind of fired me up because I had a lot of people that when I was graduating from Bentley university, they weren't like, they weren't making fun of me or talking shit. Um, but they were like, what do you mean you're starting a podcast? What do you mean you're not getting a job? Like this was a school that thrived off of people getting full-time careers after they graduated. Like I think right now it's probably top one, two or three schools in the nation about job placement. Like, like they thrive, like 99% of their graduating class will have a full-time career within six months. Like that's statistically proven. And I tip my hat to them. Um, but I just, that wasn't for me. That wasn't going to be, I wasn't going to be the case. And I was part of that 1%. And honestly, just getting that email and I, I need to dig it up and print it and put it in a frame because that, that was definitely like an important moment that really just poured a gasoline and fire on me because I knew that a lot of my friends are, were getting jobs that they enjoyed, but I knew a lot of people out there did not like what they were doing. And so I was like, I'm just going to let this be fuel to the fire because I could easily just get a job. I could do that. At the time I felt very confident and I knew that I had a strong resume. I was involved, and I I knew it was a you know somewhat of an intelligent human being. I, there's some company that I could bring value to, but seeing that as being in the one percentile, and and um, you know just realizing how important it was going to be for me to just keep going with this, I just once again I just knew where I was going. I knew what I wanted to create, and I knew that the only way I'm ever going to get there is I have to keep my foot to the gas pedal, and I got to make sure this thing is weekly in order to see if it really has some traction or not. Mm -hmm. And keeping it weekly must have been a grind. And I want to ask you about a quote from the YouTube video you posted for the one year anniversary of your podcast. And it is discipline is remember what you want at every moment. What is that? What, what would you remind yourself? What is it that you wanted that you would remind yourself when you would see things like that email or you'd be grinding to try and get the next podcast out? What is it that you would remind yourself of in those tough moments? You know, a lot of it was, that's a great question. I think it was just the, it was just this idea of creating the platform. It was always, it was always remembering who I was and what I was looking for. Like I was graduating college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was looking for a podcast that was focused on like this young generation and I wanted to learn. And so just remembering how important it was for that same kid, even though, you know, after six months or even a year in, right, you're pulling the quote from the one year piece even being 52 episodes in at that point, I was still reminding myself of, even though I'm 52 episodes in, I've been executing on the vision I've had. Like, what was that feeling? What was that was that moment like when you were graduating college, when you didn't know what you wanted to do, when you were looking for this platform, when you were just trying to learn, trying to figure out what you wanted to do? Like, what did that feel like? And I kept reminding myself of that feeling of like emptiness, of like not knowing what I wanted to do. And it was just, yo, it was really so, so scary. And to kind of like, to connect some dots, like when I, I said earlier, like I, when I, that first job I ever had working for my uncle. Right. And so when I graduated, I had mentioned very briefly that when I graduated, I went back and I started working for him again, just for a short term to make some money. College loans were going to kick in, but there was a day that I'll never forget. And I was, I was, it was like the middle of the summer. It was early June. It was a couple of weeks before I was going on tour with Dylan. 
and I'm out there just watering plants. It's like seven, eight o'clock. The sun is setting. It's like a summer. It's it's a humidity summer day in, in, in Massachusetts. It's super quiet at the garden center. I'm like just finishing up my shift. And I just had this moment of like, you're back to where you started. This is the this is the job that you first started with. You have a diploma in the back of your pocket, but yet you're somehow back exactly to where you started when you were 12, the first job you ever had. Like, where did I screw up? Where did I fuck up? Like, like all my friends right now are partying. They're making money. They have $60,000, $70,000 careers. I have no money coming in. I have a $700 a month student loan kicking in in six months. I'm living with my parents. What, like, what, what am I missing? And so remind, reminding myself of like that emptiness that I was feeling throughout that entire journey, throughout that first year, that's what cared me, man. It just cared me. And one thing that I really realized the importance of was the small wins along the way. You hear the cliches, you hear people say like count the small wins, but that's the fuel. If you, if, if my, if I started the podcast and I told myself, I'm not going to be happy until I have a hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube. I, I would I would I would be miserable right now because I never hit the hundred thousand right and so I just had these big aspirations for what I wanted to create where I wanted to go but I just I was able to just enjoy the ride and see these little victories along the way like every six or seven episodes I'd land a bigger guest and and so I just that those were another moment where I just remembering this is exactly what I want this is what I need to keep doing and so I just carried that through all the way through just discipline of just remembering every single just remembering what you want in any moment like. When, especially in that first year, when you're trying to build something from the ground up, it's extremely hard because you have a vision for what you want to create, but nobody else understands it. And you can sit there and try to pitch it to people and they just still will never fully understand it. And so there were a lot of times where I was like, do you want to go out or do you want to Uber and make some money so you can invest in yourself? I'm going to invest in myself. Same thing. Do you want to grab coffee with this person that it's like just a, not, I want to call it a waste of time, but like. What are we doing here? You know what I mean? Like, are we are we just like shooting the shit, or is this like a valuable conversation that's going to inspire me? If it's not going to inspire me, I'm going to go Uber. I'm going to make money and put it towards my bills. So that was super important. Like, just constantly reminding myself of what do I want, where am I going, and anytime I'd be like at a roadblock of like, do I do this or do I do that, I would just listen to my gut because I knew exactly what I wanted every single moment along the way. And with that Uber money that you were making to pay towards bills and stuff, you were also saving up to move to LA, which coincidentally back to that one year anniversary of the podcast, you moved to LA on the one year anniversary of the podcast. And I know that the reason you wanted to move to LA, if we go way back, way deep, it's because of Jesse McCartney on the show Summerland. <laughs> but but what, what led to you ultimately pulling the trigger and making the move to LA on the one year anniversary of purpose of so, the youth. So for the record, I, I, I joke, I joke about that. I don't think it was actually Justin McCartney's Summerland, but it, it, it could actually be that. I don't know. I used to watch the show growing up with my mom and my sister, but I, I think there is a little bit of inspiration tucked underneath. Um, you know, what's interesting is that when I was in fifth grade, I really started this and maybe that's when I was watching Summerland. I, I don't know. I'll have to check the dates of when that show was aired and how old I was, but it was around fifth grade that I started this, started dreaming about living in California, just LA. I loved everything about like the sunny weather, the palm trees, the beach. I would like, I would just look at Google maps and just look at like the outline of LA and just like dream. Like I'd see the word Beverly Hills. I'd see Santa Monica. I'd see Venice. And it was just like, I just became in love with the place. I just thought of like all the energy out there. I had absolutely no interest in creative whatsoever. And so there were three times in my life I thought I was going to move to LA. 
It was when I was graduating college and I didn't get into Bentley. I was like, now's the time. I got to move to California. I'll go to Santa Monica Community College and I'll just figure it out. That didn't happen. Then fast forward four years later when I was graduating college, didn't have anything figured out. I was like, well, this what, what better time to move to a new city than graduating college, not having any plans, not having any strings attached, like, you know, pack up and go. That didn't happen when I realized, you know, I'm trying to start a podcast about people. I don't know anybody in LA. Why am I going to move to a city? I don't know anyone. Um, and then that third time was, was the one, literally the one year marker of the podcast. I was, I literally pulled out of my driveway and I started driving to California with one of my buddies. Um, but it was just something that I had always wanted to do. I loved LA. I, I started networking with people out here. When I got into the podcasting, I realized how important it was going to be to be based in LA. I made, excuse me, I made two business trips out here, excuse me again, um, during that year in Boston. And I was seeing the value and like the people that I was meeting. Um, so to me, it was just, it was a no brainer that at some point in my life, I was going to have to make the move. And to me, all the stars aligned. It just made sense. And even when I was signing that one year lease in Boston, I knew signing the lease. I literally, I think I told my parents, I think I told my roommates that I was signing the lease with. I said, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, when this lease is up, I'm moving to California, to Los Angeles. Like whether I have a squad of 10 people, whether I have a squad of five, whether I have nobody, I'm, I'm literally going to make the move. I have to do this at some point in my life. And uh, I even put it on my whiteboard that I had in my room, like savagely. I don't know why I did this, but I started like a countdown, like 340 days till moving to LA. And then I would change it to like 336 and then like 322. And then like, I think, I think when I got to like the mid 200s, I was, I actually erased it because I was like, I, this is me counting down to the future when I need to just be super present and enjoy these last moments in Boston and living in Massachusetts. Cause I know I'm going to LA and it's probably going to be for a long time. So then I, I raced it. But when that one year marker came, it was no questions asked. I had to do it. And, uh, it was great timing because my buddy Dylan wanted to move out here and we had a network of people and one of his buddies from college, Steve, uh, was living up in Oakland and he was from LA originally. He was looking to move back down to LA. So I said, all right, if I have, you know, two guys that want to move to LA, I have a way to make money with Uber. I have a podcast that I'm working on. I know a couple of people that live in LA. I just got to get to LA and try this thing out. And so August 31st of 2017, I packed my whip, did a seven day drive out to uh, Los Angeles and uh, I've been here ever since. Can you talk to me about that first morning where you woke up or you were living in LA? You weren't just <laughs> visiting it that first morning where you woke up there? Yeah. Um, I woke up in my bed, the bed rudio, and it was my mattress on the floor. I don't think I had anything in my room except my two suitcases that were kind of like half open with clothes laying everywhere. Um, and I, I wish at the time I was more into like filming myself because I would have documented without even questioning it. But, um, I don't remember the specific specifics of how I was feeling, but I can guarantee I was extremely excited I remember when we were driving in that first day, as soon as we started seeing the signs for, um, we were coming in from Vegas. I forget what highway that is, but it started saying, you know, even if you're 200 miles out, it finally says like, you know, exit 300 to Los Angeles. And then it's like, wow, like we're here, baby. Like this is, this is it. This is my new home. Um, but I was just, uh, it was just a weird feeling pulling up here because I had signed you know, a lease on a house with two of my homies to a place that I had never visited. Like I hadn't been, to, I hadn't checked out our house. I hadn't seen anything except with pictures and a video. 
and I just trusted like this has got to be the place to make it work. Um, and it was it was an incredible feeling moving out here. I, I, there was never a regret along that drive. There was never a moment of like, did I do this? Was it should I have done this? I knew that I was supposed to be here. I had visited LA probably six or seven times. Um, I had friends out here. Just everything, the stars had aligned, and I knew like this was the place I needed to be, and I needed to see if I was made for it. And when it came to the podcast, when you got there, did you have any podcasts lined up or did you have like a week to try and find someone to get for the podcast? Yeah, that's a great question. I, uh, I, I kind of posted something on social media, like I'm moving out to LA, I'm taking a temporary break. I'm, I'm just trying to, once again, kind of be present through this process. Like, I don't want to, you know, be rushing out there and like, oh man, I got to get there so I can set up the studio and like, right, I got to start putting a podcast again. I, I kind of enjoy the idea of like, this is a great moment to take a break from the podcast. And so I came out here with no idea who I was going to get on the podcast. And the first guest that I interviewed out here ended up being a repeat guest. He was the first person that I ever brought back onto the podcast. And it was because I, his name was Gibson Hazard. He's a videographer, content creator, incredible, incredible guy. And so much, so much had happened in his career from January, 2017, when I first interviewed him, to then the second time in September of 2017, like even though that was only nine, 10 months, there had been so much progress in his career. And so I was texting him that I had moved to LA and he, I think he actually initiated like, you want to do like a round two. Cause I think he appreciated the value of like having a platform to talk. And so, um, you know, he ended up coming through and, and that was the first podcast that I ever recorded. And then two episodes later, I was recording super duper Kyle's manager, an artist that I had, growing up listening to on the East coast. And I was just like, Whoa, like what, what's happening here? Like I, I just interviewed like this dude's manager, like what else is going to come? And that really got me fired up for like where this was going to go. And uh, we just, we just kept pushing along after that. And so like, ultimately, how do you decide who to reach out to? Not how, like we'll get to have the how, but like, I want to know the who, like you could reach out to anybody. So how do you decide to reach out to person X, Y, and Z? And the thing is, I'm sure you're going through it right now. It's it's just personal interest. You know, you got to be, when you're having these long conversations with people, not only this long conversation, but clearly you've done your research. And I know, and I've been in your seat where it's it, it can be hours of research. It's not just like you just, you Googled my name and like there was a one, there was a website with all this information. Like you clearly have done your research on websites and like reading, but more specifically, I can tell from the questions you're asking, you found some things from just strictly listening to audio podcasts. You watch some of my stuff on YouTube, like, like that, there is so much work that needs to be done on the back end. And so to me from the, I knew really early on, if I want to have like an honest conversation and if I'm about to put in so much time into understanding these people, it's got to be somebody I care about. It's got to be somebody I really like am interested in learning more about. Um, so to me, in the back of my mind from the very beginning, knowing that I wanted this to be not just an artist podcast, not just a photographer podcast, not just like a creative podcast. I want to interview anybody that I'm interested in. And so that's just, I always kept my head on a swivel when I was going through Instagram or like looking into the people that inspired me. I'd look into who do they follow, like trying to find people in like different pockets and so it was always just coming from a, a, a real place of interest, a place of, I want to like know this person on a name to name basis. I want to network with this person. I want to understand how they got to where they are today. 
And also really importantly, like, oh, this is an angle I've never covered. I've never had an NBA athlete. I've never had like a film director who's executed X, Y, and Z. I've never had an entrepreneur who built, you know, a hundred million dollar business. Like I was always just like, what's the angle here? That was my, my big question. What's the angle? And so that that's how it always was. Like I just, I looked for people that I was genuinely interested in people that I thought were passionate that you know, had good energy. They were putting good energy into the world. And, uh, that, that to me was like the easy make or break. There was tons of people that maybe come inbound and maybe recommended like you should check out this person. But at the end of the day, it's personal interest. And it was never anything personal. If I didn't interview someone, it's just, is this somebody I want to talk to? And is this somebody I want to research more about? And then to the how, so when you find that person, someone that you're genuinely interested, maybe you find them on Instagram or whatever it might be. How then do you go about reaching out to them? Is it just the cold email? Do you try and look for mutual connections? Like what's your process for trying to get these people on your show? Yeah, I, I, I'd say all, almost, I can't think of a specific person that I could like, I could use as an example, but I never relied on somebody connecting me. I, I will give a shout out to my man, Noah Sedone. He'll never hear this. Maybe he will. I'd be really impressed if he hears this. So shout out to you, Noah, if he hears this. I just, I, I know he's got a lot going on in his life. So no disrespect to, you know, you or me. Um, but I never was asking friends to connect us, right? Like I was never like, yo, can you get me with this person? I, I looked at it as a challenge to me. Like if I want to get somebody on my show, I need to work for it. I need to get it myself. I don't want somebody in a couple months, but like, yo, I got that person on your podcast. So you got to do this for me. Like I didn't want, I didn't want any favors. I just wanted to do it from the right reasons. And so my process was either Instagram DM or it was emails. And, you know, with time, it took me figuring out like the perfect formula and how to, how to explain who I was, what I do and why I wanted them on the show in a very, very short, concise, like, like calculated email or Instagram DM. And so that was how I reached out to people. Sometimes it would be in person. Um, I would meet somebody at an event, uh, which ultimately would be a great moment in time um, where it was like, yo, this is a great person. Like we should, you know, connect. And sometimes I didn't want to be too aggressive. Like, yo, you got to be on my podcast. Like you got to do this. I would just kind of throw a little, you know, a little like, hey, you know, I do this podcast. If you're ever interested, like let's do it. Um, it was just being around the right people. There was a guy named a videographer named Roy Kramer. Uh, who has on show on MTV and he works with Justin Bieber. He's on tour with him and he just has like an incredible resume, just super creative guy and a great example, like right place, right time. I was on set for a homie of mine who was shooting like a very small Uber ad, of course. So they needed a fucking Uber driver. Who do they call it? But the bearded man. Um, and this was back in November of 2018. And so I go to this very small set of like six individuals it was, you know, it was going to be a guy in a helicopter. Uh, excuse me. It was, it was somebody who was going to be jumping out of a helicopter, parachuting down to me in the Uber and then driving away. And then there was like another chain of, of storytelling. But, you know, ultimately one of the shooters on the actual, the, the shoot was Roy Kramer, somebody that I was inspired by and somebody I looked up to. And then, you know, not even a week and a half later, then he's in my house recording all because I was in the right place at the right time. So I think that was important, right place, right time putting myself in the position of, around the right people and then, you know, just be willing to go out there and, and ask for what I was looking for, whether it's through Instagram DM or it was through email. And then what's your pre-process look like or pre-podcast po process? Like when Rory shows up to your house, what happens from the moment he arrives to the moment you hit record? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I, I had this thing down to a science. So if I had somebody scheduled at like 11 a.m. to come in for a podcast, usually around 9.45, I would start like, you know, turning the bedroom, the bedroom into the studio aspect. So I would have to, I would sweep the floor. I would clean the, the, the desk. I would move the bed. I would put up the two lights. I would uh, check the audio equipment. I would clean everything top to bottom, make sure this thing looked pristine and clean. I would change the, you know, episode number and the, and the name of the guests up there. I would, excuse me, I would, I would, you know, look at myself in the mirror, put some music on, try to get hyped, try to hype myself up. I would review all the research and the notes, see if there's anything last minute that I wanted to change. Um, and something really beautiful that I did for probably 50 to 60 plus episodes because of my man, Kirk Cedric, a videographer who I had met out here, we were able to capture a lot of like the behind the scenes of these podcasts. So I, I would have all the moments of like me meeting, like um, just all these incredible people for the first time I had it on camera because he was willing to shoot it. And so it was more of like prepping the studio to get ready. And then they would, they would arrive. I'd give them a quick tour. I would always, 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 always meet them in my driveway. I didn't want them to knock on the door. I wanted them to be greeted by my bearded face in the middle of my driveway. It was, I just felt like there was a welcoming energy to that. And so I would bring them in and give them a tour of the house. Um, and I'd spend usually about 15 minutes if possible to just like have a casual conversation with them, like in the studio, sitting down, give them a little like back sort of, you know, how I started it, why I, I'm reaching out to them and kind of just like get them comfortable, get the juices flowing so that when the podcast would fire up, they were ready to flow. Um, and I had this thing down to a rhythm, man. Like I, I just, uh, I just, I, when it came time to like, like recording these podcasts, like everything was calculated every step of the process from the moment of like me setting up the studio to the moment of breaking down the studio after they left, like everything was calculated. And so it kind of just became this process that I knew like step by step by step what I needed to do. And then, so you put all this work into the podcast and I've heard you quoted as saying, you don't look at the numbers, you look at the quality of the relationship that you've made through the podcast. So how do you go about maintaining relationships with your guests after the podcast is over and after they've left your house? Great question. You don't ask for shit in return. That's I'll tell you that right now. I've, I've seen it. It hasn't happened a lot, but um, you know, I see these times where people like, they meet somebody at a party, at an event, and like they're just immediately on the other person for X, Y, or Z, something that's going to help them out, right? And so something that I learned really quickly on was, one, um, from the moment they leave, right? Like make sure that I'm very professional about the rollout of the podcast, like give them everything that they need or ask for, be very communicative of like how appreciative I am of them being part of it. But then after that, you have to, this is such a weird analogy, and I, it's, it's, it's true though. I look at it as like, like marinating, right? Like if you're going to cook like meat on the grill, most times you want to marinate, you want to put some seasoning on it, put it in the fridge. And the longer you put it in the fridge, and let it sit, the better it's going to taste when you grill it. And that's how I looked at a lot of these relationships. Like I would establish a relationship. Some of these people I wouldn't talk to for months at a time. But if, if I was talking to them, it was me trying to like congratulate them, like chime in, like happy birthday, like, yo, great job of that. Night. Like showing love on social media, like, texting them and like, you know, just saying like, Hey, I heard about this, like a hobo as well, or never just asking anything in return. Or, um, you know, if I'd see them in an event, like go out of my way to like, make sure that I like went up and shook their hand, but like not be on them and not be like super aggressive. Like that was always key to me. Like you, 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 I think what was super key was being very genuine with these relationships. And even though like 
interviewing the Roy's or the dramas or like that one blonde kid, like all these like influencers, quote unquote, they're just human beings at the end of the day. And I wanted to, I wanted to make sure that they understood like, yes, I respect them as, as creatives and as business people. But at the end of the day, like, I just want to be their friend because I want to be surrounded by people that are doing dope shit. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was my whole thing was like, I'm going to provide them as much value as possible. I'm going to try to create an incredible experience. I'm going to ask them really thoughtful questions that clearly I did the research on. Um, I'm going to roll this out professionally. And when this all ends, I'm not going to be there like looking for a favor. I'm just going to try to keep giving people value. And uh, it paid off in dividends. And I think that ultimately like helped me continue to get guests as I kept growing it because friends of friends would be, you know, a, a past podcast guest would come on the show and then or somebody would come on the show, excuse me, and then say like, well, you gotta, you got to meet my homie this person and that person and then it just kind of would like domino effect but uh yeah just not asking for anything just trying to give as much value as possible and being very cautious about what you ask for and you mentioned drama there as you were talking and that is the third podcast of all of your podcasts that i wanted to ask you about not because i i don't actually i didn't actually know who drama was until i heard you mention that specific podcast in another podcast i believe so for people that don't know who he is can you explain who drama is and what significance he had in your life prior to starting the podcast yeah that's that's a great question i mean this was drama is was somebody that i watched on mtv growing up he was on a show his he has a cousin by the name of rob deerdeck um, and so they had this show growing up that I watched on MTV called Robin Big. And then that transitioned into another show called Fantasy Factory on MTV. And then that transitioned into a show called Ridiculousness, which is where they would review footage and videos from submitted people. Um, so you got to imagine this is somebody that I, I grow up and watch on TV. And then when I'm about to start Purpose in the Youth in 2016, um, starting to put together like the branding and I'm buying the mics right around end of May. Um, drama launches his podcast called Short Story Long. So you have somebody I'm watching as a child in my childhood years. Then you have somebody I'm now like listening to as he's starting his podcast, interviewing people, creating the podcast that I essentially want to create. He became like a mentor afar from me because I would see him stay consistent weekly. And so seeing him stay consistent, I knew. I got to do the same. I got to put out a podcast every single week. If he keeps doing it, I need to keep doing it. And so, wow, to get him on the show, there was three people that I ultimately wanted to interview really, really badly. It was drama because he was serving as like, like a, like a, almost like a trainer from afar because I'd see him deliver weekly and I knew I needed to deliver weekly. I wanted to interview Lewis Howes of School of Brightness because he inspired me to start a podcast and I wanted to interview Gary V because he felt like my mental coach of just like continuously punching the bag every single day and his content daily was fueling me. Um, but yeah, to get him on the show, that was all from a cold email that I sent in February of 2018. I didn't hear back from him for about six to eight weeks. Um, I never followed up with him. I kind of, I looked at it as like, I'm just going to shoot my shot. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. If he doesn't email me back, he doesn't email me back. And um yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how many emails he had in, in his inbox. I don't know what it was about that email that stood out. Um, but to get him on the podcast, and that was the first person that I started recording the behind the scenes, to have footage for me to pull up and watch the moment that I met him in my driveway is just like priceless to me. Um, so that was another one of those 
smaller wins, but really a bigger win uh, in my, in my career, because it was like somebody that was trying to get on the show. Um, they just added so much fuel to the fire of like, you just got this guy at 81. So, you know, I'm being episode 82, I think you said of this podcast, which is like weird timing when I, when I think of it like that. Um, but using him as episode 81 just gave me so much more credibility and leverage so that every single time I'd reach out to somebody I was really interested in, I would say like, Oh, check out my most recent podcast with at drama. And I would tag all the socials and, and that got me a lot of traction. Um, not traction. It just got me a lot more credibility because he, he wasn't a household name, but he was somebody that most people that I would be reaching out to for the podcast probably knew of him. And so them seeing that he took the time on the show to be on the show meant like maybe I should be taking the time to get on the show is what I thought. So that was a huge, huge moment in my career and in my personal life of, you know, I started this podcast from my bedroom and then I was interviewing him, you know, two and a half years later. If I can do this shit now, like I can do anything I set my mind to. And so you documented, you're able to get that, that interaction with drama documented, the behind the scenes. But also as someone who grew up watching him, like you said, how cool is it at the fact that he also rolled up to your house documenting it as well? And now there's a whole vlog on his channel with you in it and him vlogging the Purpose in the Youth episode that he did. Yeah, bless you, Jacob. You really did your research, man. Um, yeah, that was like really, I remember the day that he posted something on his Instagram. He posted the BTS probably like a month, probably like a month after we rolled out the podcast. And then he followed me on Instagram and that was just like, wow, like, like he documented it. He saw the value. And, and honestly, that was one of those moments where I recognized this is like a win-win for both parties because I'm getting what I want, which is like to get this guy, right? He's the one that I really, he's on the top three people that I want to interview list. Like, this is great. And then also too, like to his credit, it makes him look great. Like he's giving back, like he's taking the time to help somebody out that really wants to get him on the show. And so, you know, I think it was extremely valuable for him to show that BTS because it just shows like his character and it shows how much he cares about like people that are like supporting him. And so I really believed in that moment in time, like there was a, it was a mutual win-win for both of us um, because I think he was able to create some great content out of it. I was able to create some great content out of it. Um, but to like see my face and like my story get put onto his own channel was, was like a really cool feeling and a cool moment of, uh, of kind of like the direction I was going with all the content. And I think one of the, the craziest things with the drama episode is like you had one of the worst possible case scenarios happen mid podcast where your power goes out. I thought it was cool though, that drama had that on video and it's in his vlog as well. So like, talk to me about how you're feeling in that moment where you're just mid podcast and then lights and everything just goes off. Like what's running through your mind and how do you handle that situation? Yeah. I feel like some, some greater power was testing me. It was like a Tuesday and like the scheduled podcast was like 11 a.m. or maybe noon, but it was on a Tuesday. And we're like not even nine minutes into the podcast. Lights go out. I'm just like my immediate heart drops. So I go into like, okay, what can you control? You can't control the powers out. So let's see what you can do. So then I go out to the living room. I'm trying to figure out like, why is the power out? Talk to the roommates. Everything's out. Um, fortunately, drama was so, so like, he was like laughing. He's like, this is... This is why I'm here. He goes, you go into the big studios and you do these big time interviews. We don't run into any of these issues, but this is where the magic is. We're in your bedroom, the lights go off. Like he like actually was eating it up. 
Um, so like that was like giving me like, okay, you're all right. Like, you know, figure this out. Um, but I knew in the back of my mind, I'm not rescheduling this. I need to figure it out. And so thankfully living in Los Angeles, California, you know, 95% of the year it's sunny out. I just knew that like, it's not ideal that the neon sign is not going to work, but I took off both blinds of that was blocking out the outside light. I opened up the, the blinders, let the natural light come in. And I just knew that no matter what, we're going to have to make this work. And, you know, that's me operating off a laptop battery and my GoPro battery. And the GoPro died with about two minutes left of the podcast. And fortunately, his cameraman was able to get me the footage so we could finalize the, act, the actual edit. Um, but yeah, it was one of those moments where like, I could not believe that it happened. Um, and come to find out there was a, there was a car that hit a telephone pole about three blocks over. So I was like, this is weird, but I was really, this is going to sound weird, but like, I was really proud of myself in that moment for, for handling it the way I did, because I was somebody not too long before that, that like would get super frustrated and super worked up over little things. And that was because I was going down this huge, like self-development path, like meditation path. And I just, in that moment, it was just like, okay, how do you, re how, what's the next step? Like, I can't control that the lights just went out. Can't control that the electricity's out, but what can I control? I can control the lighting. Okay. Let's take down the blinds. I can control that. I have to carry this on. And, you know, especially those first three to five minutes back in the podcast around two, I'm just like sweating inside because now the AC's off. You're wearing, you know, um, April of, of Los Angeles in the Valley, which, you know, it still cooks up to like 85 degrees, 90. I'm like, yo, this is starting to sweat. Um, but I, luckily I was able to get myself to, you know, calm down and, and, and hold the conversation, but I definitely felt tested in that very moment. I can imagine how you like how you felt tested in that moment. This clearly not a perfect scenario. And I want to ask you about your editing process when it comes to the podcast, like with when it comes with mine, I operate with a mindset of perfect isn't perfect. Good enough is perfect. So when you're editing, like how, how deep into it do you get in terms of like trying to make sure it's the perfect podcast when you put it out? Cause back to the point you talked about, you operated as if there was already millions of people listening to every episode. So how were you in terms of editing your podcast and when did you come to terms with this episode is done and sounds? Yes. Like? So I think, I think, um, I think probably the first 60 ish episodes, I was like really getting in there and like trying to adjust like, like waves, like the smallest waves. Like I was trying to like, if I like went like that noise is annoying when you're like listening back on a podcast. And so anytime I'd get something like that, I'd like try to like alter it. Like I was really getting in there. And then because Dylan, the artist who was also an audio engineer, he was just like able to teach me and give me some like formatting that allowed me to like just drop like plug and play. And then I got to the point where I would make like very, very like a handful of edits per podcast because I was coming from a place of like, like hundreds of small little edits to then like 10 to 20 edits in a, in a podcast. And so it, it, you know, as long as you have good equipment and you understand like the gain and you make adjustments, there's going to be a little hiccups. There's going to be little sound bites that don't sound perfect. Um, but ultimately as long as the quality is there and it's, it's something people can consume and like listen to, they're going to be all right with it. They're not worried about that little pop or that little like audio drop. Um, and I learned a lot of that through Gary V through his podcast, you know, he would do intros for podcasts like on his iPhone. And I was just like that something about the rawness, like adds a little flavor to it. 
Um, but in the beginning, I was definitely like way too, way too in it. And that was just me learning as a creative, you know, kind of learning on the fly. Um, and I've definitely become much more of like a minimaler type of creative where uh, I try not to overthink it. And I just try to trust my gut. And if it's, if it's good enough, it's good enough. And that there's always going to be room for improvement, but not trying to put out, you know, terrible content, but just putting out things that I know that I stand by this, like let's let it roll. Mm -hmm. And I've heard you describe yourself as your own worst critic. So I was curious as to your advice as to how you handle the inner devil and how you just ignore that and push through. Yeah, I've always been my most, my biggest credit. My mom would tell me that growing up when I would get upset about anything under the sun. Um, and I think that all comes down to me, just a lot of what I was consuming on social media, like feeding myself the right podcast, like my social media diet was really like very calculated. I wasn't following things that weren't like inspiring me. Um, meditation was teaching me how to like now listen to the voice in my head. Um, and so it, it took a long time and it's still something that I work on today, but I think it, it's mental health, man. That's what it is. Like I know that that word can get thrown around a lot, um, but there's this inner voice that we all have and whether we realize it or not, there's like this inner devil that likes to, to, to talk down upon us, to think that we're not smart enough, to think that we don't have what it takes, to think that we aren't good enough, that we're not sexy, we don't, that the, the other opposite sex that we're attracted to isn't going to like us because our ears are too big, our head's too big. Like there's this voice in our head that like really just likes to put us down. And as soon as you can learn to kind of minimize that and recognize it as, as simply just a voice and that it's a thought and that it's not really you. Um, that's when you can start being more, more moving like forward thinking and more like continuously doing what you really want to do. Um, so I think that's just, that's a credit to consuming the right things on social media, making, you know, really diving into like the self-development world and like the self-development creators, but then also like the importance of meditation and how important it would be to just take 10 minutes of the day to just stop, slow down, focus on my breath and get present and then get back to what I was working on. That, that consumption piece is huge. Like that's one thing I've become very cognizant of is what am I filling my feed with? And if it's not helping me or if it's not valuable content, I'm trying to do my best to be there. Unfollowing the accounts that don't matter if it's somebody that I know personally, that's going to be like, yo, why'd you unfollow me? I'll hide their content from my feed. So I'm still following them, but it's not popping up in my feed. But another thing too, in terms of doing the podcast, you get to have these actual, like what you're filling your mind with, you get to be within those conversations, you're not always just listening to them as a podcast that you've downloaded, you're recording that podcast. So from your experience, from over 140 podcasts, I believe over 140 interviews, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned from the guests on your podcast? Oh, man, that's, that's a tough one. Every single, every single guest, I learned something in them, every single one. Um, it's something it's, it's relevant, because I just posted on my Instagram before we hopped on this on this podcast. But all these individuals, whether it's the artists, the DJs, the producers, the entrepreneurs, the, um, the filmmakers, the photographers, the podcasters, the uh, professional athletes, it doesn't matter the industry. All of these people have this ability to keep going within their own careers and within their own lives. And so there are, I could spend, uh, I could spend a, a, an enormous amount of time breaking down each episode and what I learned from it and, and how they've inspired me to keep going within my own life. But I think all of these people have the ability to keep going, whether it's the highs and high, the highest of highs or the lowest of lows, 
they have this ability to just keep moving forward and to keep pushing and to keep chasing after that thing that they love. And so I, I think that's, that's one of the biggest takeaways that I had. And that was the transitioning point of me getting out of it was, uh, you know, just kind of getting to a place where I kind of hit a wall. I had kept going with the podcast, even though I was kind of losing, not hoping the project, but I was just losing like that fire in me. Um, but I never stopped. There were, there were many moments along the way that I wanted to give up. There were a lot of times in, in, in the Uber when I'd be driving back and I'd have tears in my eyes. And I, I just like was just so burnt out, not knowing like, is this ever going to pay off? And so I think that was one of the biggest lessons that I learned from just overall all the guests. And it wasn't a specific guest that said, you know, said it. Um, but it was just like these the ability for these people to really follow through with what they wanted. Um, and their ability to kind of, even though they had that voice in their head telling them that they didn't have what it took, um, they were able to keep showing up and keep putting in that work and to, you know, bring their visions to life. That's powerful stuff, man. Another thing that I wanted to ask you about is while you're doing this podcast, you're putting out an episode every single week. You're also at the same time, you were creating content for your YouTube channel as well. So what was the balance for you in terms of putting out new podcasts every week, but also trying to stay consistent with YouTube as well? Great question. The podcast to me was the number one priority so that I had to make sure I always had a podcast. Um, but at the same time, while I was doing that weekly, I also found interest in doing these other series and I had to find spare time to like create them. And so that was me just having this creative interest of like, let me try this series. Like, will this work? Okay, this was cool and not really like fun. Let me try this one. And then so to me, it was always in my mind, the podcast is the number one priority. As long as I have a podcast coming up for that week, then if I have downtime and I have creative time or I have an idea, then I can go out there and try it out. Um, so that was that was how I treated it. The, the one series that I that I really enjoyed and I didn't get to do too much of um, was the What They Don't See series, which was like an inside look of where creatives create or where, you know business or where entrepreneurs run their business. Um, that was like by far my favorite series because it was very like it was just it felt like we executed it incredibly well for having no budget whatsoever. Um, but that was always my thing where if I had a podcast in the vault for the next week, then I could have some creative fun. And if I didn't, my number one priority would be the podcast. That was always my number one thing because that was, that was like the true North of where I was going. The podcast was bringing me to where I needed to be. Um, and all these other creative stuff on the side were kind of just like, let's just test and try and see how this thing works out. Mm -hmm. And kind of jumping from there, when you first moved or shortly after you moved to LA, speaking of YouTube, I watched this on your YouTube channel. You went to ComplexCon and you got to ask Gary V a question. Do you remember what that question was? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I said, Gary, you brought me so much value. How can I bring value in return? And I don't remember exactly his answer, but it was something along the lines of like, keep doing what you're doing. Um, and I could be wrong. I think that's what he asked me. I, I don't know if you if you know exactly the question, if that's right. But um, I believe yeah, that's right. what he asked. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just, um, after I had asked that and I walked away, I was like, I should have like, I should have like really asked him something that I could have like gotten value out of. But I, I really was just like, so, so appreciative of like what he's done for me. And I, I, I yeah, man, I, I, I didn't, I really didn't regret the question, but like, that was really, that is somebody that, that ultimately got me to where I am today. Um, and he, you know, he's somebody that I ultimately ran into like in LA, 
uh, probably about a year ago, like on Sunset Boulevard, I took a quick selfie with him and, you know, he's also an investor with the company that I work for now, Liquid IV. And so he's like somebody that just keeps popping in my life every six to eight months. And I, I'm either in the right place with him. I, you know, we're not boys. We don't know each other on the first name basis, but, um, you know, he's somebody that I would love to at some point in my life, like have on a first name basis. And, you know, when I, when he sees me in LA and he goes, there's the bearded man, that would, that would make me feel pretty good. But, um, yeah, you know, it's just, he's provided so much value and he's provided an example to the world of like, you can do what you want and, and build something you really love, but you can also do it by being extremely grateful and kind and generous and, and, uh, just a great positive energy and still be extremely successful. And he's just, he's just a great example of it. And I, w- I want to talk about your new, your job at Liquid IV, but before we get there, you mentioned a little bit earlier too, how there'd be those days where you're driving back from Uber and you were just questioning whether everything was worth it. And before you got the job at Liquid IV, you had a whiteboard session. And I wonder if, I was curious if you could share what the goal of that session was and what are some of those things that ended up on the board? Yeah. Shout out to Zach Hanavar. Um, he's a manager for Yes Theory. He manages a couple other creatives. And that was a really important moment. That was like a... It's, it's, I don't know, man, it's just like certain conversations, certain people, certain moments can just like redirect everything. And so this whiteboard session was me trying to figure out like where I'm at and where am I going? And so the whiteboard session was literally like mapping out my entire like current life. Like this is, this is what I create on YouTube. Like this is how many followers per platform I have. This is how I make money. This is how much money I've made in between each of these things. Like, like everything, just like mapping out my life. And so we did that and there were there were two things that Zach said to me immediately. He said, first off, your number one priority right now, you need to get out of driving Uber. Uh, you got to find a way to make money doing something that's going to positively help you as a creative because you driving around aimlessly is not helping you like enhance your skills. And then secondly, once that's figured out, you need to rethink like – like, do we do, should you rebrand the podcast? Should you attack it from a different format? Like, should you start a different show? Like, and it was all from a positive love standpoint. But what I loved about this guy is that he's just like, so true. Like, he's not going to just like, oh, you're fine. Just keep doing it. It'll all work out. He just, he's always been somebody that's very honest. And uh, that whiteboard session was what I needed. And ultimately, um, you know, a couple of days later, I had just so happened to be flying home for a wedding um, I spent 10 days home. I think about rebranding the podcast. I think about like, how am I going to get an Uber? And so I get back to LA and the first night that I go driving Uber, I get back after like an eight to 10 hour shift. And I just post on my Instagram. I'm just like, listen, give me by the end of 20, before the start of 2020. So this is like early October. Um, I said before the beginning of 2020, I'm not Ubering anymore. I'm doing something full-time. I'm not doing something full-time. I'm making a living full-time as a creative. I, I need to find a way out of this. And I woke up the next morning to a, uh, a DM from Brandon Cohen, the founder and CEO of Liquid IV. He was episode 99 of the podcast. He was also um, guest no- He was a guest on group episode number three, I believe. And he was also part of What They Don't See series, which just had happened two months prior to him DMing me. He just said, you know, hey, do you have you know time for a call today? And that was a moment where I go, this is something really important because he's somebody that we had this mutual thing from the beginning of the relationship, just like, you know, chiming in, like, yo, keep going. Like I'd see him at in a networking event, I'd see him at a party and it was always good vibes. And he never just hit me out of the blue and seeing that DM, I just, I felt in my heart. I said, this is, this is something big. 
And uh, two weeks later, I ended up signing a a, a full time offer with Liquid IV. That's 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 such a cool story to see how back to the point you said earlier, where you never have you don't ask for something, you just continue to provide value for the guests on your podcast, and eventually down the road it will pay off. So it's not like you asked him straight up for a job because he'd been on your podcast. He just you built a relationship with him, and that's ultimately part of the reason why you have your job today. And I was going to compliment you as well as you bring the same energy into this job that you were bringing into your own content before. So, and now I was going to ask how hard it was for you to make that switch from purpose in the youth being kind of your number one priority to liquid IV now being your number one priority. You know, that's, that's a great question. I think in the moment I, before I accepted the job, I, I sat down and I, I wish I kept the piece of paper because it's probably going to be so valuable. It's already so valuable. If I still had it right now, I'd be so happy, but like, in the moment, you don't think about these things. And so I wrote down on a piece of paper, pros and cons with liquid IV across the top. And I, and I sat down and I wrote out 10 pros and I wrote out two cons. And so reading that, I I knew immediately, I was like, I I have to take this job. The the two cons were going to be, I was losing, um, I was losing control of my time because with Uber, it was giving me, you know, my time. And secondly, if I was to start doing this job full time, I would ultimately have to prioritize their content as my number one priority and purpose youth would become number two, or I would just have to, you know, put the podcast on pause and do my own thing and, and figure this out as I go. Um, and I ultimately, because of like the conversation I had had with Zach, I was already planning to put the podcast on pause before I even got the conversation with Brandon. So it was kind of like a no brainer where I was like, I'm just going to pause on the podcast. I'm feeling kind of burnt out from doing this, this thing. I have this great opportunity with liquid IV. I don't know where this is going to go. Um, but I've, I've done my best to bring that energy. Like that's, that's not just a podcast energy. That's not just like a YouTube energy. Like that's me at my core. Like I've said twice before in this podcast, like I'm a people's person. And so um, I recognized how, how amazing this opportunity was that I was getting presented with. And I knew that, and I had told Brandon when I was, uh, before I had accepted the role, before I even got the formal offer, I just said, you know, one of the things that he brought up to me was, you know, I, I know how much purpose in the youth is your, like, that's your thing, dude. Like it's your number one thing. And I'm not trying to, I'm not here to ask you to step away from it, but you know, I just want to see where you're at because this is, you know, this is a big step and this is like something that I really would need you to commit to. And, you know, this, he didn't say this, but I knew like, this wasn't just going to be a Monday through Friday, like nine to six hour thing. Like it is for the most part, but like there are plenty of times where, um, you know, we've had to shoot during the week after hours of work, or we were gone for full weekends or, you know, a lot of different things, but all that to say, I knew in the moment that this was going to get me out of this, like this, this Ubering, um, I was already feeling burnt out with the podcast and I was ready for something new. So to me, it was like a no brainer. I need to take this role and I need to see where it's going to take me. And I'm assuming for a lot of people, when you announced you were pausing the podcast, that came as a shock. But I guess when I said earlier that your number one priority was a podcast, I kind of, I misspoke because back in October of 2018, you said that as much as I want the podcast to grow, I have to come first. So it's not like over time, the podcast became less of a priority. Even from the get, you prioritize yourself at number one over the podcast. So this was a decision about yourself more so than just stopping the podcast or not. But I was going to ask as well, since you paused it, do you ever miss doing the podcast? 
Yeah, there's there's definitely moments where I I, uh, I miss it. Like I miss um, you know having like this having like a, a tool to meet new people or like to like network new people or like to have like these you know these amazing sit down conversations. But I you know it's tough to like I would say for the most part. I haven't missed it as much as people probably think. Like I've had those moments here and there where I'm seeing people put out podcasts and like, damn, I kind of miss that feeling of like putting out content. Um, but one thing recently in the last two months that I've been really prioritizing um, and I'm so like happy with how I'm bringing it back into my life is like having a social life. Like I, I really punted that for three and a half years. And so, you know, uh, I don't regret anything that I've done to get me to where I am today, but like what I was doing and the way I was living my life was not sustainable for a long period of time. And it's not a lifestyle I really want to go back to anytime soon. Um, so now that I'm like working and then like when I'm off of work, like sometimes I'm grabbing dinner with, with homies or like I'm stopping by people's place to like just kick it and having weekends off and being able to like try new things. I mean, now it's a little hectic, right? Like I'm speaking on this and now I'm just remembering like this light bulb moment of like what we're really living in. But like up to two weeks ago, I was really like starting to like have this social life again. And so I'm really excited to kind of keep experimenting with that and like really experiencing new things, meeting new people, dating again, like, like enjoying that part of life. Because at the end of the day, my man, like all, like we, we sometimes like get caught up in the numbers as creatives. Right. But like at the end of the day, Jacob, it's about you, bro. Like you, even if you have a million people like cheering you on, you got to take, you are the priority. Casey Neistat is a great example. Somebody that like went heavy on vlogging and he had a great, great podcast with, uh, with Adam 22 about probably four months ago. And, and this is when I knew I made the right choice. This is when I made, I knew the right choice of getting on a podcast and accepting this role. And then the podcast, Casey talks about how, you know, for that three and a half years, four years of him daily vlogging, it was the most beautiful thing in the world. He would wake up every day and within 10 seconds of him being awake, he knew exactly what he needed to do that day. He needed to create a podcast or excuse me, he had a creative vlog. And so he would, he would capture it. He'd be up all hours of the day and night making the vlog, put it out, do the same thing over and over and over again. And it was beautiful. He grew. He met a lot of people. Um, it, it built his career. But now being out of it, it's also just as beautiful because he's now able to really enjoy the fruits of his labor. And it's not that he's slowing down. It's not that... Um, He'll never get back into that vlogging, but it's like when you're in it, it's it's like this tunnel and you're just so focused and like time is just flying by because you're just you're just working all the time. And now that I'm not working as much as I am, like I'm enjoying the city of LA, like I'm I'm enjoying these restaurants, I'm enjoying the beach. Like I've gone to the beach more. I've gone to the beach in LA more in the past month than I have in the three years that I've lived in LA. Like that's that's just like mind blowing. Like I'm somebody that loves the beach. And so there is no regret. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be where I am. Um, will I ever get back into some type of content creating? Absolutely. It's just a matter of time. There's still so much a learning curve with like liquid IV and like where we're going. And so that's the main priority when I'm not doing that. My new priority is like living my life and, and enjoying myself. Um, but I'm happy with where I'm at and, and, you know, I'm just thankful for all the steps that I've had to take to get here. Even those moments of driving Uber and bawling my eyes out when I'm by myself or like, just having these like these 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 low moments every six to nine months, like it it, it made it made the journey more appreciated because now I'm 
I'm not, I don't want to say I'm enjoying the fruits of the labor, but like it set me up to get me to where I am today. And it's only setting me up for a bigger rocket of where we're going with this whole company and everything that we're doing. I, w- I want to say I'm really enjoying this conversation. There's like a ton of just hearing you speak. There's a ton of value that you're providing the, not just myself, but to everybody listening. And there's just, just, there's a, you have a ton of wisdom. And I wanted to ask kind of with that thought in mind, when you were a kid, a teacher told your mom that you were going to be a teacher one day, do you, wow. although it didn't pan out that you actually are a teacher, but do you think that through content, everything you've created, you are still finding a way to educate people? Wow, Jacob, man, you really did your research, bro. I'm, I am, I am impressed and I'm, and I'm honored to be on the show, man. Cause it's, it says a lot about you and just, uh, you know, what you care for, for the show. So I, I appreciate you taking the time to like really deep dive into my story, but um, you know, that's, that is the thing, man. Um, I, I enjoy putting things out there into the world. It's, it's a great feeling when you, when you have that post and like a bunch of people comment, it gets all these likes and like, it's just cool. You like, you feel good. It gives you that like adrenaline. I'm like, yo, people like rock with what I'm trying to say. Like they like this photo, like they like this like video, like that's a great feeling. But honestly, I love the feeling of like just putting a voice out there to the world. Like getting that one DM of somebody saying like, yo, I'm based out of New Zealand. Like I live in France. I, I live in Italy. Like I live in Russia. I live in this country that I, I don't even know where it is on the map. Yo, your podcast inspired me. Like this post inspired me. Like just seeing that, like there's something about that, that feeling inside of like, you want to keep sharing that. And, and, and it goes back to me just like continuously wanting to share the things that I know, because it's easy for me to realize like to, it's, it's easy for me to just like keep moving on because I'm like, oh, I already know this. Like, but I, 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 I realize like there's people that out here that don't understand or like they don't, they haven't been on the same path as me. They haven't been through some of the journey that I've been through. Maybe they're trying to learn from what I've learned. And so I still enjoy it, whether it's, you know, podcasting conversations like this, whether it's posting on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter videos, like Instagram lives or stories like I, there's something about documenting my journey that I absolutely love. I love sharing it. I love being able to recall certain things. I love being able to like pass it along. So, you know, Miss Crandall of first grade, I don't know what she saw in me. I don't know why she told my mother that. I don't know what was the key indicator when I, when you're in first grade and you're so young, but she was kind of right. Like I'm not, I'm not by the book a teacher that works in a school but I hope that I'm providing some type of value because at the end of the day, that's what teachers do. They provide value and they provide guidance. And so I hope that through my story and through the content that I put out there, I hope that it's providing value and I hope that's providing guidance because that's that's the best feeling in the world, man. Like there's just something about passing it on to somebody else and, and seeing it like positively help somebody. That's the greatest feeling in the world because I know how important it's been for me to follow certain people and see their content. And if I can replicate that for somebody else, man, priceless. There's, there's, there's nothing I can like, I can't even, I can't even, uh, I don't even know what to say because it's just like, it's just a feeling inside it. It allows me to know that like I did my job. I love that, man. And then, so now before we get into like the standard questions I ask everybody at the end of every podcast, there's one other thing I wanted to ask you about. Please. I'm not a hundred, I'm not a hundred percent sure when you wrote this, but you wrote yourself a check for $1 million for chasing your dreams. Yeah. That check was to be cashed on June 4th, 2022. Um, I wrote that in Boston and I think it was, it was, 
uh, I don't know what it was. Um, I think that was kind of this idea that I was probably about, if I wrote that in June of, of, if I wrote it for five, I know I wrote it for five years and if it was 2022, it's actually like tucked in my, um, when we moved to our new spot about two months ago, I, I haven't taken out that piece of paper since, um, cause it used to be hung on my wall, but I believe it was for, like you said, June something 2022, which means like I wrote it for five years, which means I wrote it in June of 2017. And I think that was just me at month number nine ish of the podcast and like probably getting a little bit momentum and like really starting to see my vision come to life. That was just kind of one of those things where I wanted to write it down, stick it to the wall and just be a reminder. Like I knew I was going to be moving to LA in two to three months. And you know, I was still driving Uber and I didn't know where I was going, but to me, that was just like a a thing to do. Like it it wasn't even about the money. It wasn't about the million. I could have wrote 10 million, like 500,000. Like I just, something about writing that check because I was somebody that enjoyed making money growing up. I was somebody that like, I'm not motivated by money. I just appreciate like how much financial freedom can bring to my life of like, you know, when you can get to your, get to a point in your life where like you have enough money where your bills are paid and you're not worried about food and you're like, you're smart with your money. Like that's something I I really can't wait to get to in my life. Much better financially than where I was six months ago, but like to get to that true financial freedom of like bills, there's no debt, there's no nothing. Like that's something I, I, I am striving so hard to get to. Um, and I think just writing that check was one, me getting to financial freedom. And then two, just like a reminder to me, you got to keep chasing these dreams, baby. Like you're going to, you're going to hit that million dollar mark and you're going to, then you're going to go for the 10, you're going to go for 50. I mean, I don't know, but, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I can't remember why I wrote the check, but it was in the moment. It was, it was something I needed to do. Is the Bobby who wrote that check proud of the Bobby today? Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely much, much, um, in all aspects, just mentally, physically, spiritually, uh, creatively, much better than where he was. I mean, it's just a learning game. I mean, we all hear from time to time, like patience, patience, patience. And that's, that's ultimately what it is. Um, but I think if the 2017 version of myself could see where I'm at now, um, he would definitely be beyond excited and he would pat himself on the back because, um, you know, there's been a lot of things I've had to punt along the way, a lot of missed opportunities, a lot of birthday parties and relationships and a lot of things that kind of, uh, you know, had to be punted or put on hold, but it ultimately got me to where I am today. And so, um, I'm happy to be where I am. I'm happy with where I'm going, but I would say for sure the 2017 year old version that wrote that check would be, would be very happy to see where he's at today. I'm happy to hear that, man. I'm happy for all of the success that you're having. And before we wrap up this podcast, I want to do the standard questions I have at the end of every podcast, I used to call it rapid fire, but people seem to have a tough time answering these questions in a rapid fire format. So then I started calling it Q and a, but then I realized the entire podcast is essentially a Q and a, so that's a dumb name. So I don't really have a name for this section of the podcast, but um, the first question is you're going to dinner. You can take three people, anybody that are alive. Who do you take to dinner? Oh, wow. 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 Dude. Put me on the spot. Dead or alive, huh? Honestly, I would I, I would take um I would take Lewis Howes, Gary Vee, and Drama. Cause they 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 played an important role in my they they played the a very important role in my creative career. And they were super important for those first two years of podcasting. They really gave me that fire. I mean, don't get me wrong, the people around me directly were extremely important. 
family members, like supporting grandparents, like, I mean, just like the people that tune into purpose in the youth early on, like all that was really important. But, um, if I had to take three people to dinner, hundred percent, I think those would be the three guys, Gary V, Lewis Howes and drama. What's some of the best advice you've ever gotten? I think it was a mix of both my parents saying this. Um, I think I give my father more credit than my mother and my mom gets pissed because I, I think it was a mix, but I love my mother. So mom, if you hear this, I love you. Um, it was growing up. Uh, it was, it was something my father just, I religiously remember him hearing, like saying to me, like, so before I went to college, it was probably when I was in high school, even in middle school, he just would always tell me and my sister, it doesn't matter what you do, as long as you love it, we'll support you. And that was in the back of my mind when I was graduating and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I wasn't going to just take a job. They were completely supportive. They weren't there forcing me to get a job. I had a bunch of friends that were in college that were like, I have no other option. My parents are making me do this. Like my parents were the farthest from that. They literally were like, you can do whatever you want. Just know that like when those college loans kick in, that's on you. Like that's on you. We're not, we don't, we're not paying for that. And uh, so I think hearing that early on, it kept giving me that mindset that like, I have the permission from my parents to like chase after what I really want to do. I need to give myself permission to do that. And I gave myself that permission when I was graduating. I gave myself that permission uh, starting the podcast and continuously on through all that time. But that was really important. And uh, I mean, if I didn't get that lesson early on or that advice, who knows where I would be. But no matter what you do, we'll always be here to support you. I don't even know if that's technically a piece of advice. It is a piece of advice. It is a piece of advice. But um, that was really important early on for me. No, hundred percent. When your alarm goes off in the morning, what motivates you to get up and out of bed? Having purpose, having like a, having, having somewhat of an idea of knowing what I have in front of me that day. You know, I'm very religious about this whole idea of like you win the morning, you win the day. That's, that's me really preaching to the world. It's not about the hours of which you get up. It's not about how early you get up. It's about what do you do in the first one to two hours of your day? Is the first two hours of your day about yourself or is it about other people? And I value myself more than anything else. And so my first two hours of my day include meditating, journaling, gym, uh, you know, even getting ready for the day. So that by the time I, I show up to work uh, and start at nine, you know, I get there for 8.30 a.m. I don't even start till nine. Um, but by the time, you know, the day begins, I've already been up since 5.45. I've had two hours to myself to listen to music and eat and really get myself primed for the day. And then I, you know, with liquid IV and crushing through content all day long. We're doing some amazing things. And then I got out of work at, you know, it's six 30 and I come home and it's time to, you know, catch up with the roommates or hop on phone calls or do a podcast like this. I mean, now it's a little bit different cause we're all working remote, but like, um, you know, two weeks ago, like that's, that, that is the thing, you know, that's what wakes me up is, is, is having purpose and it's so, so important, but, um, you know, finding that thing you love to do every day and finding, a, you know, something that you really enjoy, I think that's what helps you get up and out of bed every day. Cause there's days where you don't want to get out of bed. You want to stay in and you want to sleep. But once I get on my two feet, man, I'm ready for war. I'm ready for whatever the world wants to throw at me that day. Um, but I feel very fortunate to, to have spent the last three and a half years after I graduated college to wake up every day with, with, with purpose. And let me say there are the tough days and there are days where you sleep in or there's days that you're not feeling it, but I would say I'm definitely over the 90 percentile that 90 percent of the last three and a half years have been positive, motivating, get on your, get on, get on your feet and let's get this day started. What's one thing about you people wouldn't expect? Great question. I think I'm more emotional than most people probably realize. Um, 
and I've, I've tried to share that out on my social media and I've, I, I find that it's hard to do sometimes. Like I posted something super personal about six weeks ago when I was going through some shit. I had this breakdown on the weekend and I wasn't there to like have a pity party. I just wanted to share some shit that I was going through, whatever. Like it's just what I was going through. Um, but I think that might be a shocker is just like how emotional I am. And, um, you know, I'm not saying I, I cry every night before I go to sleep or like, you know, it's not like that, but like, I'm not afraid to be honest with my emotions and I'm not, I'm not afraid to lean into how I'm exactly feeling. Um, I know there's times where like we can feel super angry and like, we just like try to like let it go or like we feel like we just want to ball our eyes out and we like, we have to be the tough guy or like, you know, you don't want to seem, um, weak around people. Um, but me, I think that might be shocking to some people is like, I'm, I'm an emotional human being. Um, I try my best to just spread positivity and optimism through the world because I think just about lenses and how do you view the world? Are you seeing it as a negative? Are you seeing it as a positive? With everything we're dealing with Corona right now, I, I, I'm not saying it's a positive thing, but I'm doing my best in my position to look at it as like, how, how can I approach this right now in a positive standpoint? Okay. I have more time to myself. I'm not commuting to and from work. I'm not being distracted at work. I have more time to like kick it with my roommates. We watched a Netflix uh, special last night. I have time to hop on a podcast with you, Jacob, like, because I'm not commuting from work. So I know I could be on time for six 30. Like I'm just somebody that is emotional, but also it just chooses to be positive and optimistic. It's a choice and it's very difficult sometimes. Um, I think that might might surprise people or maybe they know that to be me from the content I put out. Uh, I'm not sure. I want to give you a shout out for being willing to share that and being open and vulnerable because not everybody is comfortable doing that. For the next question, I want to ask, what is something that's so important everyone needs to know? What is something important that everyone needs to know? You, I think what's really important at the end of the day is you have to follow your heart. It's so easy to live a life trying to following, follow like these footsteps of everyone else or <clears throat> excuse me, steps that like people are telling you you need to follow. But at the end of the day, you really got to follow after what you really love because you're the one that's going to be putting in the time. You're the one that's going to be clocking and clocking out. You're the one that's going to be spending the late hours. You need to find the thing that really you love to do and it's it's it can be scary and it can be nerve-wracking when you don't know but you have to embrace it and you have to just enjoy the ride of like trying to figure it out but if i like that's it man you you have to be the one making the calls you can you can listen and take advice from other people and do your research and like listen to the experts but at the end of the day nobody knows better than you and the power is in you to make these things happen for your life we all have different paths. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different resources at our fingertips. But I truly believe that you can you can become and you can make anything you want in this world as long as you are willing to work for it. And you need to follow what you truly love and not follow what other people love. My man, I appreciate you taking all of this time out of your day to be on this podcast. For the final question, I like to flip the script a little bit. Instead of me asking the question, it's you asking the question. But it's not to me. So imagine you have this crystal ball and you can ask this crystal ball any question and you'll get the answer. What is one question you want to know the answer to? Huh. That's a hell of a question. You, you, you're asking great questions. It'd be something along happiness. Like what, 
and I, and I think I know the answer, but I, I'm always so like curious because I find that we as human beings, and I'm just speaking from my personal experience, it's like we have these targets for things that we want in our life, right? Like I wanted to get drama on my pod, but like stem it, stem it all the way back to like being, being a child. Like I wanted to get into Bentley where I graduated, where I went to school, but I didn't get in as a freshman. I got in there, I graduated, did it. I wanted to start a podcast, built it to where I wanted it to be. I wanted to get drama on the podcast, did that. Like we have these, we have like these things in our lives are like, it's like, it would give us the ultimate happiness, like the ultimate, like feeling of like, I fucking did it. Like I made it. But then it's so quickly to like snap out of that and get back into this place of like, now I need the next thing. Like I need the next podcast. Like, you know, if I'm about to be episode 82, like you're probably stoked to get to that hundred marker. Like it's a big number and you're going to get to a hundred and then you're going to go like, dope. Can't wait to get to 125. Can't wait to get to 150. It's like, we're constantly always looking to the next thing. And so I, and I think what I've learned through meditating, once again, it's about the present moments about enjoying those small wins, but like, if I had to look at the crystal ball and ask a question, I would love to like really know like what does it take to make somebody consistently happy every day? You know, like I think I'm at the end of the day, I'm very happy and I'm very grateful for where I am too, which is another part of happiness is the gratitude. But like, do we ever get it? And I think I'm getting closer to it with you, with, you know, time and experience, but is it possible to get to a state in our lives where we are just we are content and we are happy with where we want to be. And I think it's very hard to get there because as somebody as I am, where I'm competitive and like, I want to keep pushing. I want to keep growing my career. And I'm sure you're in the same footsteps with your own business and with your own podcast. It's like, you always want more. There's always going to be that next client. There's always going to be the next podcast. There's going to be that next, next like achievement and benchmark. But like, are we able to ever get to a point where we're just completely complacent and happy with where we are? Um, I would love to know. And I think I know the answer already. Um, but if there's a crystal ball, I would love to know more of like, what are the steps and what does it take for, for most people to find that happiness? That's a powerful question. And honestly, hearing you at, like at, presented in that way, I'm surprised. I haven't had more people when I asked that question, give that answer. So I just want to give you a shout out and let you know that I really, really liked your answer to that question. But I want to thank you for taking the time to be on this podcast. Where can the people find you? Plug anything and everything that you got right now. Best place for, for people to find me would just be at Bob Bay. That's B-O, three B's, four A's, and a Y. Um, Instagram didn't have B-O-B-B-A-Y when I wanted it. So I had to I had to accept and settle with B-O, three B's, four A's, and a Y. They can find me on uh, anywhere, social media, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, just type that in on Google and you'll find everything. Um, the podcast that I previously hosted was called Purpose in the Youth, which is what we talked about mostly today. Um, and then a podcast that I recently started, but I haven't been putting too much time into, is called It's the Bearded Man Podcast, which is just a solo podcast. But ultimately, if there's one favor I could ask of the people that are listening to this podcast right now, is you need to do Jacob a solid favor right now and go on to iTunes and give him a review on the iTunes podcast app and let us know what you thought of this podcast because my man is putting in the work and I respect it and I appreciate it. And I'm honored to be on the show today. So if you can do me one favor today, it would be to go there and leave a review because it deserves it for the work he's putting in. I appreciate that a lot, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having the show, man. 
My pleasure, man. I want to thank everybody for listening. Whether you've listened the entire way through, you've only listened to bits and pieces. I really appreciate you taking the time to check this out. Do me a big favor, guys. Go and follow Bobby on Instagram. Go and subscribe to his podcast. I'll make sure everything's linked in the show notes down below. If you'd like to follow me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and at the Jacob Kelly. Feel free to come and say hello. My DMs are always open. And if you'd like to follow the podcast, you can find us on Instagram and at my social life podcast or on YouTube by searching on my social life. Thank you once again for listening, everybody. We'll talk soon.